Welcome to the Paperclip Podcast. I really think I need an easier an easier title for this podcast to say I struggle every time. I'm fascinated why you called it that, so maybe I'll oh. ask you that question when you stopped asking me questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Uh, so this is the Paperclip Podcast presented by BSDA. We have one clear goal, help you to become bigger. I'm your host, Brett Stone. Today is episode 10, and it's all about creating killer content. And whether you're a regular listener uh, or a new listener uh, to the show, thank you. Uh, you are appreciated. We, uh, we appreciate the, the great feedback and um, the shares and the likes. And uh, right now, we're, uh, for the second time in a row now, we're... Um, recording uh, a live stream on Facebook at the same time as recording this podcast. So if you watched the live stream, uh, thanks for tuning in as well. And uh, Claire Gorman says hello. Oh, hi, Claire. Like my hair. It's my hairdresser. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this is the perfect perfect opportunity for her to see her work and, and everybody else as well. It's, She's it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> so um, we'll start... Uh, today's show, uh, the first thing we'll talk about are five free tools to create killer content. So these are tools that, um, that I use in the agency, uh, pretty much every day or at least on a week by week basis. Um, and we think, uh, you know, that it's really great. These are really great tools. Um, they're all free. So, um, anybody that kind of knows me and knows BSDA knows that, um, you know, I'm kind of for the people, and so um, anytime there's an opportunity to share something with you that might be helpful to you or your business and it doesn't cost anything, I'm more than happy to share that with you. And uh, our very special guest today is Louise Thompson. Uh, how are you today? I'm very good, Brett. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. And then, as always, we will wrap up the show with uh, a quote, and today's one is actually probably my favorite so far as well. So hang around till the end of the show to hear that one because it's great. So the uh, top five free tools you can use right now to make killer content. And I really think that um, this list could be, uh, really could be a lot longer, but I wanted to focus on some things that maybe were quite different. Each each tool I think is a very different um, in its own right. So the number five, we've got Loom. Um, now, the website to, to get this is useloom.com. Um, Loom is a tool to be able to record your screen or the desktop of your computer. And at the same time, it uses your front-facing camera on your laptop or, um, you know, if you've got a Mac, your, your Mac. Um, and basically, it gives you an opportunity to explain what's going on on the screen or, you know, if you needed to... For example, show somebody steps like how to navigate something on your website or, um, you know, somebody's having difficulty with troubleshooting or those kind of things to be able to walk them through the steps and say, well, you know, this is how you do it. And then just demonstrate it, record it as a video. They record in really high quality in a really small file size, which you can then um, download and email to somebody or um, share on Facebook, those kind of things. So... Typically, I, um, I'll use Loom to be able to demonstrate 
um, you know, how to use perhaps a new feature on Facebook or um, if, a, if a client needed some assistance with how to get their content online, I'd record a video and demonstrate how to do that as well. So um, that's a pretty good one. Uh, number four is Pexels. Um, Pexels is exactly uh, what it sounds like. It's pixels, but with an extra E instead of the I. Um, it's uh, P-E-X-E-L-S.com. And um, Pexels is great for being able to download kind of stock photos um, that you can use in any kind of posts or advertising or those kind of things to be able to demonstrate perhaps the point that you're making. So if you don't have your own, um, I guess your own media or your own digital assets mm -hmm. to be able to use, um, Pexels is a great way to be able to find relevant photos to the, the topic that you're talking about. Um, and uh, be able to sort of drive home the point with something that people can see as well as read. Uh, number three is Anchor. Um, Anchor's always been uh, a favorite of mine and um, their website is anchor.fm, um, which is A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. Um, you, basically what Anchor have done is they started out as a, a little bit like they so they consider themselves like a digital radio almost where people would record their voice um, you know asking a question or making a statement and then people can what they call call in um, just like a talkback radio show so people would respond with their voice as well and it was sort of like a back and forth which made for really great engagement um, and then um, anchor still obviously have those features but what they also have now is the ability to turn anything you record on Anchor into a podcast. So previously, if you wanted to uh, make a podcast, you would have to know how to write code because that was the only way you could really get it into um, the Apple Podcast Store. Um, so with the, uh, I guess, with the introduction of this feature in Anchor, it means that anybody now essentially can be a podcaster and it means that if you've got something to share or, you know, whether that's um, advice or whether that's experience or knowledge um, that you want to be able to, to share with other people. Um, and that can go both ways. Obviously, that helps people. But at the same time, it also helps with building your, your brand as well. Um, Anchor is a terrific uh, platform to be able to do that. And... The next one, number two, is Medium. And the website there is medium.com, which is M-E-D-I-U-M.com. Medium is, uh, essentially it's like the, the kind of new and best blogging tool available. Um, the great thing about Medium is, I guess there's a couple of things. So one is, is that um, there are sort of internal um, groups and that kind of thing that or um, editors that are often looking for new people to add to their list to share with their audience and so um, once you've sort of been writing blogs for a little while you might find that you get approached by one of these editors on um, medium and they'll ask if um, they can have access to that content to share with their audience as mm -hmm. well so it's a little bit like I guess um, you know, writing for yourself and then a magazine or a newspaper comes along and says, hey, can we use that in our, you know, in our next publication? Yeah. So, uh, so we have right now, we have 
Um, somebody, <laughs> so we actually have a parking inspector right outside the window. <laughs> so your car? <laughs> well, my car is right there and it's fine. But, oh. um, but there is another car that's further down that was marked earlier. And I think that's because the parking inspector knows like who we are here. Oh. <laughs> so I think she was just kind of letting us know that one of those cars needs to move. So that's fine. So apologies for it's the... Not mine. No. <laughs> apologies for the uh, interruption then. <laughs> so, um, so Medium is a great way to kind of get picked up by other platforms um, or other, other sort of editors and get your content to kind of more people. The other great advantage Medium has over some other blogging sort of tools and websites is that at the top of every article, it tells you in minutes how long it will take you to read that article. Mm. So it's good for people that are kind of, you know, maybe, you know, they might be running on the treadmill or they could be um, on the train ride on the way home or wherever they are. It gives them an idea about how long it might take them to read this article. And so they can either save it for later or read it now if they've got the time. And then number one is Canva. So Canva is um, very common, in fact, I'd be surprised if most people listening to the podcast don't already know about Canva. But look, there's a couple of things that um, that are great about Canva. So their website is canva.com, which is C-A-N-V-A.com. And Canva, firstly, and kind of foremost, uh, they are Australian. So, and um, they're widely considered to be um, pretty much what's considered the first Australian unicorn, really, um, that's, you know, been a startup and gone on to have such massive success globally. Um, Canva is a sort of desktop publishing, uh, graphic design kind of hybrid where you can create, you know, logos or banners or posters or all kinds of things that maybe you might have done in like Microsoft Publisher um, back in the day maybe. Mm. And, but it's got lots of kind of, I think, it's got a really good mix of some technical tools and great free content within there that you can use. Um, and at the same time, you can also, um, you know, pay a little bit extra to get, you know, like extra features or um, extra content that you might want. Um, but for the most part, um, Canva is completely free and there's no need to pay for anything unless you kind of want those extra things, um, which aren't necessarily necessary. Um, so I think uh, Canva is really great. Um, it's it's probably the number one tool that I recommend. I would I use it for clients all the time. This week I've used it twice to help them create um, new cover images for for Google mm-hmm. um, for their Google My Business listing. So it's it's been uh, an invaluable tool for me and certainly something that I think mm-hmm. all businesses could uh, could benefit from. So. Off the back of that, and we're you know given that we're we're talking about killer content, it seems only right that I introduce our very special guest today. Now this this introduction is actually the first time I've ever written an introduction. Oh, um, I feel very like special. this. So uh, you know, just changing the show up a little bit. So let's let's see how we go with this. Hopefully, I get it right. So our very special guest has the kind of experience most of us in business can only aspire to. Louise Thompson spent the 80s, 90s and early 2000s working and leading in the largely male-dominated finance sector in sales and marketing, learning and education, 
human resources, project management and change management. Louise has also been self-employed since 2004 as a coach, mentor, facilitator, trainer and speaker and has been described as dynamic, insightful, creative and fun, a highly skilled facilitator working in leadership development and truly achieves change in the program she runs professional, organised and driven, and also has a great ability to listen, respond and connect with participants from all walks of life. It is my very great pleasure to introduce Louise Thompson. Thank you, Brett. Did I write that or did you write that? Well, look, I've borrowed the <laughs> little bits and pieces ah. from everywhere. So, you know, there's a little bit of you there, there's a little bit of um, somebody that gave you a, a, a recommendation on LinkedIn. Oh, and great. There's um, and a little bit of sort of just digging around and trying to find a bit of info to, to write something. So hopefully that's, hopefully I did you justice there. I think that sounds great. Terrific. I might just do a cut and paste and pop that on my <laughs> website. That sounds wonderful. It's all yours. Um, so first question is, tell us why you wanted to work for yourself. Oh, shortened version, I um, found myself pregnant <laughs> mm -hmm. in a very busy uh, role at the NAB and, mm -hmm. uh, well, one, when one has a baby and uh, not really expecting it, it was a nice surprise and I actually enjoyed it. So okay. um, I was offered uh, a redundancy mm -hmm. and uh, where some might um, be concerned about that, I thought that that was a great opportunity to leave and uh, started, you know, pretty quickly in my own business. At the same time, we bought a cafe as well, just so we wouldn't be... Right. Twiddling our thumbs, uh, okay. yes. So that didn't last long, but yes, that's when the business started. And so does that mean you were balancing, uh, I guess, a, a new child and two businesses at the same time? Yes. Wow, that must have been really, like, I imagine, like just for those that have their own businesses, that they know like just having your own business, uh, one business is, is a big enough challenge. I imagine that that would have put you know, it would have been quite stressful. Mm. Well, you don't know what you don't know. So I hadn't been really, and I was never really a mummy person. So that baby just had to fit into my life <laughs> at the time. And when uh, the 4am feed was over, I was into cooking mode uh, for yep. the, the cafe. And uh, I had a great mum. I'm not sure if you're watching but uh, or listening. Uh, she would come to the party and look after Patrick, number one, mm -hmm. uh, so that I could then do if I you know had to go out and facilitate or um, doing a lot of design probably at the time mm, okay and what excites you about what you do oh I suppose change you know when you have worked with a client be it an individual or a business and you actually see the change occurring in that person or in the business and that might be in their behavior or financially mm -hmm. That's that's fantastic. That's uh, that's fun, and at the same time, it's financially rewarding. And uh, you know, those two together makes it all worthwhile. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, recently, I had the pleasure of speaking at uh, a Sandhurst Women's Business Network event. Um, tell us why you started the network and how you've been able to grow it over the years as well. 
So last week you met, uh, we had met Lisa before, Lisa McIntosh, who's our Cake Guru Centres. Mm. Her and myself and a few other women who uh, knew each other well and operated mm. our own businesses. Uh, I mean, I would spend a good 80% of my time working from my home office. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being on your own can, I'm not sure if it's lonely, but you can very quickly procrastinate. Mm. And I thought I was the only woman in the world who procrastinated mm. and actually wanted to maybe iron rather than <laughs> phone someone. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so when I started talking with a few other women, and they felt the same, I'm not sure about the ironing, but felt that they too were procrastinating. Very quickly using Facebook, we created a group of mm-hmm. women and we started meeting for a cuppa. Then we put you know, a bit of a framework around it and started having evening events. And we now, there's 250 women who are on our little closed Facebook group. There are the regulars who like to meet. We've got a coffee meet up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, um, yeah, I, we've helped a few women start up their own businesses from, mm. you know, from passion to actually get involved and we've got great talent you know so put the question out there the advice you know is really forthcoming so um that keeps it going i think we've been going for maybe nearly six years yeah that's fantastic Mm. and what's what's probably you know is there one kind of um one business or one circumstance that maybe stands out as somebody that's kind of maybe come in like you said um, you know, where they've just got a dream or a goal and, and they've really, you know, kind of flourished? Oh, I suppose um, the the first woman, Karen Chatterley, who had only recently uh, moved from the UK to Australia and uh, she started a business called Mrs Buttons okay. and that was using buttons to decorate and create a mm-hmm. bit artwork Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we just through some conversations, the idea may have been there, but through some conversations over our coffees, mm-hmm. that occurred, and then being able to use our little network, uh, the mm-hmm. word got out, and we're really great at promoting each other, yeah, which is really useful. So that that's the first one. Um, that yeah, that I suppose it's always sitting in the back of my mind. You're pretty proud that you've been with a bunch of women to help other women progress. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And how did you learn the skills required to have such a, a long and successful career? Oh, look, I have to give credit to the National Australia Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I was a bit of a ladder climber. I was pretty keen to progress my career and took any opportunity where uh, I either I read it or I heard about it to attend programs apply for a new role mm-hmm. I, I, I'm great um, I must say networking mm-hmm. so I knew who the right people were in the business so if there was a, a role going and I thought I'd be great at I soon let them know mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I um, you know so I was able to go to some great programs I've worked with great people there and mm-hmm. they've been really generous uh, to give me time away from the workplace then mm-hmm. and for 20 years almost simultaneous in my corporate career I was a member of an organization called Junior Chamber International mm-hmm. and they're global uh, they're all about uh, change and leadership and community and volunteering so I traveled the world with them and uh, I learned I suppose um, 
how to speak, how to facilitate, how to chair meetings, how to mm-hmm. MC. So all those great little tools that then I could bring back to my company mm-hmm. and now I'm using in my own business. Mm. And what's the... Um, what was something maybe during that journey that um, was perhaps uh, you know tougher than others that, that really kind of challenged you, really, really pushed you? In my own business? Probably, like, in your journey, like, leading oh, up. journey. Yeah. Like, in your early days, maybe yeah. with NAB? Mm, I, I must say, um, I've been on a couple of boards, mm-hmm. and I was on one board, and uh, we had, um, it was a, a um, actually very similar to this setup. It was uh, like an incubator was the old terminology mm-hmm. in Melbourne, and we had a manager there who um, took off overnight mm-hmm. and drained our accounts. Right, <laughs> certainly a challenge. <laughs> it was <laughs> so I had to pull on the resources uh, that you knew, and uh, you know, working full time. Um, uh, luckily, uh, my partner, he was able to come in and sort a few things. We called on friends that were accountants and uh, we had to you know, deal with the government at the time. It, it, that really rocked me. Yeah. Uh, learnt a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've jumped on a board since. <laughs> there are some aspirations there, but I really got burnt. Um, you know, I learnt a lot about myself, maybe mm-hmm. what I could have been better at doing. Mm-hmm. But what an experience to learn from. Yeah, so obviously that uh, you know, there's there's an opportunity there for anybody uh, listening that's looking for somebody with phenomenal experience uh, on a board to maybe <laughs> to maybe put out the call. Oh yes, <laughs> I actually uh, well, a few years ago now, one of my clients, Leadership Victoria, they asked me to rewrite their board education program Mm -hmm. and I had great delight in doing that because Mm. I knew what you had to do uh, especially due diligence Mm. you know not only being a member of a board but in the people that you recruit to uh, work Mm. with you Mm. yeah I'd imagine there'd be um, some very very specific uh, requirements very very key kind of uh, experience or points that you'd be looking for Mm, definitely and you've worked both uh you know for yourself or on your own and you've also worked with a co-founder what's the difference between the two why use a co-founder why not the co-founder term hello cynthia if you're listening (laughs) and watching Cynthia and I are co-founders of a a particular program, Mm -hmm. Driving Your Life. It's been going for probably five and a half years. Mm -hmm. We were both facilitating uh, at Leadership Victoria. We still both do a bit of work for them. And uh, we got together and decided that um, we had really similar interests and skill sets. Mm -hmm. And we thought, well, let's work together on Mm -hmm. one project, which is Driving Your Life. And it's got various programs associated with it. And I suppose pulling your talents, we, we call ourselves the yin and yang. You know, I've got certain mm-hmm. experience which Cynthia doesn't. She's so thorough and I'm so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to whip through things and she's into the detail of the content. So pulling that together really allows us to pull together great content, great programs. Mm-hmm. And we've got double the network, I suppose, to then market what we deliver if we were out in the public space. Absolutely. 
And I think that's um, what you talked about there with um, like the balance is really important. Um, often that's something that I, um, you know, if I'm having conversations with friends just about um, relationships even, um, you know, they'll often say that they, they want somebody that's, you know, just like them or, you know, and, and I'll say, well, where's the fun in that? Like, you kind of already know who you are. Um, what you maybe want is somebody that, that balances you out, that, that has the, you know, the things that you lack or the, that has the, you know, if you're a bit, if you find yourself that you're quite even or, you know, measured all the time, maybe you want somebody that's a bit more energetic or a bit more, you know, to, to lift the energy of the situation. Um, do you think that that's, that you've learnt a lot from from having a co-founder? Oh, definitely. Um, as I said, the yin and yang, and we, we play on that when we're co-facilitating uh, mm-hmm. programs. I... I'm great at keeping to the time sheet and making sure that we cover all the content. And uh, Cynthia, she, with all her knowledge and thoroughness, will want to talk for quite a while. Mm. And knowing you had know, to balance that together to either cut her short or let her go, and then I'll cut short what I'm doing, mm. depending on what's best for the client. Is, is how we work very well. We do have fun. I must say, mm-hmm. we do have fun. And if there's a day that goes by that we haven't either called each other or Skyped each other, there's a problem mm-hmm. and we're on <laughs> and having a bit of a chat. But, uh, yeah, going um, along on your own can be quite insular. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a 360-degree, like, whatever it is, 4D world. There, mm-hmm. there are always aspects you're not going to think about. Mm-hmm. And even the other day we were making some videos and I had done quite a bit of the speaking in a particular video and Cynthia picked up very quickly, you didn't say busyness. In two minute video, she picked that up and <laughs> I, I, was, I wasn't going to pick that up. So that alone, just helping each other out. And we want to get things right so that it's useful that, for that small task. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think up until now, um, you know, in, in your career, whether that's, you know, recently or, you know, in the beginning, um, what was perhaps the single greatest challenge that you faced and, and how were you able to overcome that? Greatest challenge? Mm, gee, there's been so many. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I do enjoy... I, I, my personality is all about uh, looking for the next great opportunity and, and what uh, what's our next challenge to conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think probably the biggest challenges are people themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I would have, you know, well, I've got a strong personality and if I meet someone who's quite different to me, it's very quickly working out their personality. Mm. So then I can adapt my style so that we can start off on uh, you know, good footing. Yep. But that doesn't always work. Yep. And s- some people I've worked with and I've got into you know, a couple of um, meetings and we're starting to develop and I get that gut feeling that I'm not sure this is going to work. Mm-hmm. And it's too late to backtrack. So you're continually challenged, you know, wanting to get the best out of that relationship, yep. not knowing that it could be better. But it, it, it's a tough, um, it's a tough process, especially if it's a long journey. Yeah. So I, th- I think the personalities, 
you know, there's always people out there that know the technical stuff or know the content. You can mm. always find those people, but people themselves, are, I think we're, we're the ones that are the, ch- are the challenge. Yeah, and not everybody is, um, you know, open and not everybody is forthcoming and, and um, you know, we all have our um, kind of boundaries or limits. Yes. And, and often new people or new situations are the things that test those limits and boundaries the most sometimes I think um, one of my um, I, I guess probably the the favorite piece of advice that I've given um, I guess many people over the years is that um, you go to the places that are most uncomfortable because that's where you kind of learn the most that's where mm. you you'll develop more skills or knowledge so it, it's important to really you know if you're um, like personally I remember early in my career I had a uh, terrible fear of public speaking. I, I didn't want to speak in front of people at all and I had all the usual um, narratives that weren't necessarily true going through my head, mm-hmm. you know, they'll judge self-talk. you. and mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All that negative self-talk and um, the reality was that, you know, I, I worked for a great company at the time in Salesforce and um, they had a terrific uh, internal training program and one of the things that I signed myself up for was public speaking Mm. so um, I was able to overcome that but I had to you know face that I had to go to that kind of challenging place Mm. first before I could really overcome it and I think there's a lot of reward out there for people that are willing to really kind of push that comfort zone a little bit. Oh definitely yeah we um, uh, find that we fall back on a really great model that is this is where the language comes from where there's comfort zone, where there's definitely no change, then where you may have been the stretch zone. So that's where we feel a bit of unease and uh, there's all that adrenaline rushing through because mm. we're, we're being challenged. But we find that that's the grow area. So there's growth. Absolutely. I like to push people to the next zone, which we call the panic zone. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, a bit of innovation might occur there. Mm. We really are on fire. You can't spend a lot of time in that space, mm-hmm. but that's where we really see huge change occurring. So I think it's really important to go through the, in, be in those three spaces. Absolutely. Um, so that, uh, you know, life is exciting and uh, it's really great for the self-talk to even ask yourself, where, I am, where am I at the moment? Am yeah. I too comfortable? Maybe I need to move into a bit of the stretch zone, try something different. Yeah. Something. And I think... Um people get especially these days um people get i found anyway that people are really willing to um just sit in that first stage that comfortable area Mm. very rarely do do people people um you know especially with with social media um um everybody uh, i watched a video from gary vaynerchuk yesterday and he said he was you know everybody's living a great life on instagram so every time you, you open Instagram, there's somebody that, that looks like they're living a better life than you or they're healthier than you or, you know, they've got more than you do. Mm. And um, it's really easy to get that, that FOMO, that fear of missing yes. out. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, but that only comes, I think, from being in that comfortable place. Like if you want those things, mm. you can't stay on the couch or you can't, um, you know, be comfortable behind that desk you, you have to take some 
risks at some point. Absolutely, you know? and uh, that's that's really that's change, isn't it? Um, mm. If you're prepared to uh, change, then you won't miss out on what you're looking to achieve. You'll mm. you'll at least be a step closer. You you might make some progress, but uh, people really only. Well, a change is really challenging and it's sometimes almost impossible. But once you get a taste for what it is like, mm. uh, you're far more motivated. You kind of work out what your values are so that you might want to chase the almost near impossible. Um, I was working with a client last week and he had told me, not that we were working on it, that he'd stop smoking. Mm. And yeah, that's, that's probably something that, you know, um, I would hope that you just work out not to do anyway. But he had to rely on a drug mm -hmm. to do that. And I said, well, that is one of the changes that uh, that you can manage. But, mm -hmm. you know, you, you talk about uh, wanting to, I don't know, let's say go on a diet. And you walk into a store and smell a bacon butty, you know, bacon sandwich mm -hmm. being toasted. We generally will we'll buy it, you know, <laughs> we, we just can't change. So um, I, I just think people will sit on the couch. It's, it's far easier than yep. really feeling that discomfort to um, be that person that maybe one mm. or two people can be, but not everyone is ever going to be. Yeah, I think um, a, a good way to, um, I've got a, a little strip of paper at home that reminds me kind of, you know, that... I should be at the gym when I'm not. And it says, um, it's something like, you know, remember that um, it doesn't matter how fast you're going, you're still lapping everyone that's on the couch. <laughs> so it's, it's like a nice little, uh, a nice little reminder for me to, uh, to get off the couch. Yeah. Um, what's, if you had to do it all again, um, and you've, you've talked about some, you know, phenomenal challenges throughout um, your career so far. But if you had to do it all again, would you do it the same? Would you do things differently? How do you feel about it? Yeah, look, I'm really happy that I've stuck to my guns and been around with the kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's for me the most important, to be flexible enough, having my own business that I can drop them off, I can generally pick them up, um, I'm there when it's important. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was my number one choice. Um, I, I think earlier on, I, I, I suppose if I had maybe um, taken a few more risks and uh, taken on bigger projects, maybe worked with other people to get those done rather than just working on my own. Mm -hmm. I think so. But it comes back to the balance. You know, if I took on bigger projects, would I have been able to still be the mum, which yes. I do enjoy doing. Mm. But um, I don't know. That's a tough one. I, I suppose I... I would probably do the same. Mm. I've had a pretty, you know, really joyful life, uh, friends and family and kids. And the kids, they're all at college next year. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting bigger next year. That's, I'm following your, um, your mantra. That's next year when there's no kind of um, great excuses mm. of, uh, of not being able to get into bigger projects. Yeah, and that's, I think, you know, if you've had those opportunities already and so maybe pass them up or, you know, put family first, um, perhaps the, the reward for that, uh, for doing that before is that these 
maybe come back around later on or you get another chance. I hope so. <laughs> Look, there, there, there is um, there is a lot of opportunity um, in the type of work that I do, and it is a matter of just you know being out there, letting people know that you're able to help, giving them a demonstration of what you can do from case studies. Um, so I don't think I've missed out. Uh, I just hope I've got the energy, let's say, for the next. You know, mm. I'm not sure how long I'll work for. I love what I do. Mm. Don't really see it as work, but um, that's yeah. good. So next year's the big year. I'm excited. Thank I'm you. Excited. That's, <laughs> that's going to be good. I'm sure it will. Um, so, what's the best advice that you've ever been given? I did a great um, program, so always. Uh, working on my own professional development mm -hmm. and it was a course with um, a Sydney guy, Matt Church. Mm -hmm. He is um, very well known now. Uh, he has a business school and I think it was five, six, seven years ago I did his four-day residential in Sydney mm -hmm. and he talked about on the first day of this course you need to have 50 coffees. You need to, in a month, go and have a coffee with 50 different people and just mm -hmm. let them know what you're doing in your business. Just yep. keep them up to date with either a new program or that now you're coaching or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I implemented that. Um, I think I failed the program and I know I probably need to do it again, mm -hmm. but I did. I got out there and just you know, letting people know that um, I've got a great new leadership program mm -hmm. or I offer a leadership mentoring service, it created business. And it's a pretty simple offering on that four-day program and that's the one. Um, and, and I share that with uh, many people that I mentor. Mm. Um, just you've got to keep out there. Yeah. Sitting on that couch or on my uh, butt in my office <laughs> is not going to bring in business. Yeah, and I think that um, that echoes something that one of our previous guests, uh, Cameron Lee, said as well. So he um, he had said that some of the best advice he got or heard was um, that you have to speak to 11 people a day. Mm. Um, so every day you have to tell 11 people about what you do or how you might be able to help them um, in what they do. And as a result of that, your network will continue to grow and obviously so do the referrals and work. Right. 11. Are there 11 people there now? Are Maybe. you my 11 today? <laughs> there's, there's definitely people out there today. So we've, we've had, um, we've got some great, I, I recognise some of the names. There are some, um, some great um, business owners uh, actually in Frankston as well. Oh, so, great. Yeah, it's terrific. Um, and what's the best advice you can give our listeners? Mm. Well, I suppose my passion is all about uh, people and mm. leading people. And it, it's when we start to treat our people, or if you call them staff or team members, as people, as adults, mm -hmm. that's when we start to see leadership occurring. Mm. Uh, too often I'm seeing in businesses where we treat um the staff as staff, not part of the team, that they don't know the strategy, they're not even part of the decision making. Mm -hmm. And we, we do, we're still treating them as if they're still in school and there are these bound hours. So, you know, 
look after your people, get them involved, because mm. most people work for their manager, not the company. Yes. And most people leave the company because of the manager, mm. not the company. Mm. So you've got a fabulous resource. There are great people mm. all around you, and we just don't lead them well enough. And you've got to look at yourself and decide, am I a good role model? Do I care for my staff and what am I doing to help them flourish? Mm, that's great advice. So I'm um, changing gears a little bit and looking at sort of advertising and marketing type um, scenarios. Thinking back to the first time that you actively kind of seeked out your first clients or customers, what were some of the things or one of the things that you did to drum up interest? Oh. I'm not good at this at all, um, <laughs> hence why we brought you, Brett, along to the, uh, the function a few <laughs> weeks ago to drain your brain. Um, look, I suppose LinkedIn has been a pretty good tool to market remotely, mm-hmm. uh, and I've, I've been told many a times I have more front than Maya. I'm quite <laughs> happy to put out there what I am working on, what mm-hmm. I'm doing, and posting photos. Um, even earlier days, um, I suppose before <laughs> social media, uh, newsletters mm-hmm. to share what I was working on. Um, and yeah, look, if I had a public workshop, mm-hmm. either I'd created it or more so a client had brought people in. If I've got them for five days, I've got five great marketing days to mm. show what I can do for their businesses when they mm-hmm. go back to their workplace. And I suppose that's where a lot of my business grew. Mm. Uh, I would generally get a, a call from at least one person who attended, a say, a week's program mm-hmm. who wanted something similar in their workplace or to be a speaker at their conference yep. or they needed individual coaching because the five days is not a fix. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's only the beginning. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's a few thoughts mm. thinking back. And how do you make clients feel welcome or, or special after the first contact with them? Yeah, that's a very good question. Do I do that? Um, look, yeah, those that I work with regularly, regularly on the phone. Um, I was using the a few minutes earlier, just a quick email to, mm-hmm. I'm not a fond user email, but just a quick email to a client that I'm getting ready to run a big workshop. Just with the EA there saying, checked my system this morning, we're still chasing a few people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, j- just continuous contact. And mm-hmm. after any activity or any event, mm-hmm. um, you know, that personalised note, mm-hmm. um, always thanking publicly people and clients I've worked with. Mm. And I like to promote my clients' businesses as well mm. and Absolutely. connect them. I'm always sending them books. Mm. <laughs> I'm an avid reader. That's good. So if I notice something publicly, you know, that they're working on or have an issue with or I'm working with them, I'll always send them a note and, you know, with a book, you know, have a read of this or an article just to yep. find the answer that they're, they're looking for. I think that's really great. Um, I think, you know, it's, uh, it's a great value add to be able to share, um, you know, a book or, um, as you say, an article that mm. you think they'll get benefit from. Um, how have you, I think you sort of, you talked a little bit about um, LinkedIn then. Mm-hmm. 
But how do you do social media services like Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and those kind of things? How do they assist with um, the growth of your business? Mm, I think um, predominantly uh, with our public programs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've got a couple at the moment um, that are being advertised using Facebook events. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd produce videos. We're using those on Facebook, LinkedIn at the moment. Um, you know, we tweet. We're across social media. Mm-hmm. The last workshop we ran in Geelong, I'd say um, oh, maybe three or four people uh, registered because they mm-hmm. uh, we didn't know them and they had registered with what they had seen mm-hmm. uh, through, I believe it was Facebook. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's ramping up. I think we're mm-hmm. seeing, we're getting a broader feel. We've, we've paid for Facebook advertising mm-hmm. and the jury's out on that. And I know it's great mm-hmm. what you had mentioned, uh, Brett, at, um, our workshop. I prefer not to pay, mm-hmm. um, but I, but it is great that you can narrow down you know, the demographic and who you want to, mm-hmm. to catch hold of. But it's useful, but at the same time, gosh, you can waste a lot of your time. Yeah. So I, I block time when I can, and that mm. is it. I'm into marketing, advertising, social mm-hmm. media time, and downtime, I'll quickly write something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A few, well, a couple of years ago, I challenged myself to um, read 52 books in 52 weeks mm-hmm. and write a blog on them. Okay. And I found that that was of great use. So it was on my website and then I published it every week. And whilst there were a lot of likes or comments, the, the, the work that I actually accumulated just from that where people had read the blog mm-hmm. and they asked me to either speak about a, a specific subject from a book or they were interested in the content that provided, mm-hmm. that was really useful. Yeah. And I think that's um, what you're describing there is something that I talked about um, at, at the event that I came out to but also people that listen to me um, regularly know that I you know I'm a big fan of um, you know what I call the Wizard of Oz effect and taking people kind of behind the curtain so I think what you described there as well is a really good example of that where you know you set yourself a personal goal right. um, to reading a book mm. you know once a week and then sharing that experience by writing that article okay. allowed mm. people to sort of not only see the journey that you're on, but also get perhaps your insight about a book as mm. well. And I think that's, you know, that's one of those examples where you talked about, you know, really engaging with people and perhaps even building business just from writing about these books that you've you've written. And mm. I think that's a great example of that. Yeah. And it has produced some great content for my workshops. And I, d- I did it before, as I said, my professional development. Mm. I learned so much more. And um, I'd say 80% of my content now is from what I've been reading. And I continue to read. There's some great mm. information um, available. And we are learning so much more in leadership um, that we've got to be up to date. Mm. So with all that experience, what's some advertising or marketing that you might have done that wasn't as successful as you'd hoped? Advertising or marketing? 
maybe 80% of what I do. To... <laughs> it's so difficult to Let's measure. Let's talk about that. I know, I know. I need your help. Um, oh, look, you know, um, well, you can tell straight away that it's not working if you're not getting any, well, I, this is my view, mm-hmm. any likes or comments on, on information you might be posting mm-hmm. about what you're doing. Uh, so that potentially is not working. Previously, I've done um, you know flyers or brochures and mm-hmm. spent so much time doing them, and it just it didn't work. We didn't get into mm-hmm. um, we got into we got into meeting people, but it didn't mm-hmm. go any further. So who knows what hasn't worked there? Mm. The wrong client or the wrong marketing. Um, yeah, look, it's it's. I'm not the right person there to uh, talk about what works and what does work because I don't think I'm very good at it, and it's something I practice every day. I'm trying to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the that's the the most important step, right? Is that you're trying to get better at it every day. So, um, if it's eighty percent that doesn't work now, maybe you know the next step is to get to seventy percent that doesn't exactly. work. You know, and set some targets. Yeah, well, I think, um, and sometimes I think you you um, kind of alluded to this as well, is that there are, um, you can do great marketing or advertising and never know that it was great marketing or advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that I mean, you know, you can, especially when it comes to things like social media, you can post, um, you know, uh, a blog or um, something that you've written or a great video, piece of content, and people could watch it a million times and not necessarily like it or comment mm, on mm. it or share it. And mm. so I think um, sometimes, um, you know, I, I at least look, I like to hope that sometimes people are watching or listening or reading and what they've consumed has been so good that they've just kind of left and taken immediate action. And I know that's not mm-hmm. going to be a large percentage of people, but, you know, if you if 100 people read something and one of those people took action... Um, It'd be great to know that. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, you just made me uh, think then a couple of weeks ago I received a, a direct message on LinkedIn from – it was a former um, manager of mine 20 years ago. Mm. And she made a lovely comment, oh, I love your posts. I follow you everywhere you travel and what you're doing. And here's a referral. Right. Brilliant, you know, and I had no idea that she was behind the scenes and and watching what was happening. And there we go, a lovely referral. 20 years in the making. (laughs) (laughs) Will I be around the next 20 years? (laughs) So to flip that, what was some advertising or marketing that you've done that, you know, took off like wildfire that did really well for you? And that might mean, you know, you, you immediately... The phone rang immediately mm. or, you know, maybe um, you got way more likes or comments um, on, on a post than something you'd ever done before. Yeah, look, just in the last uh, seven days, launching a series of five videos on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. we've had the most likes and comments in a very long time. Yep. Short, sharp, two-minute videos, and it's about... Um, it's actually talking and giving examples of content on our program Mm -hmm. so we're not promoting the program at all we're just saying this is uh, one of the things that we do Mm -hmm. and uh, today was about self-talk right and we launched that this morning it's only up on linkedin at the moment and in our closed facebook group business group Mm -hmm. that we've got 
Um, and uh, the, the, I think the first one we did, you know, we got some great comment from people that we want to comment, their yep. prospective clients. That's good. And, uh, and when we, we did a couple of tweets about a workshop uh, recently and, and within, you know, the day, two people booked onto our workshop. So it's great to be able to measure, yep. especially when they comment on what they'd seen and they yep. were talking about the language that they read and then you see tribe booking go bing. Mm. You know that uh, you know, just that language, a bit of a twist in what we're saying and doing. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's really important in these days. Um, you know, people are still, um, and you know, big businesses will continue to advertise on television and radio and um, you know newspapers and magazines and those kind of things because that's what they've always done. Mm. Um, and I think until they you know, until they have somebody that's kind of got the courage to say, let's try this instead, like you are with LinkedIn videos. Um, you know, I heard, a, I think I, I said this in the last podcast as well, but um, there was a stat that I heard recently, which was, I hope I get this right, which was that only 1% of LinkedIn users are creating video mm. and less than 1% of those people creating video are doing it well. Right. So if you're somebody on LinkedIn mm. and you're looking to, if you're kind of in social media and you're kind of looking for the next big thing or the next thing to do, um, everybody kind of in my space is, is kind of talking about LinkedIn and in particular LinkedIn video because it's something that people haven't done enough of. Mm. And it's been around for a little while now, um, probably six to 12 months right but but you know we we're very slow to adopt new things especially something like video because we have to be on camera then Mm. so um i I don't think it's about having a polished product or um, the best product i think it's about the best content so i agree if you've got great advice or you've got like this podcast for example the, uh, we talked about this earlier that some of the best feedback that I've got is people love the kind of rawness mm. of it um, that it's not kind of I think the quote was that it's not like all Hollywood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know especially in today's podcast we've had a parking inspector pop by and, and try <laughs> to talk to me through the window we've uh, you know like we've had people um, jumping into the the live chat um, and asking questions or writing um, comments. And I think being able to continue the conversation and and that kind of thing while involving those things, but I'm not trying to do it perfectly. I'm just trying to make sure that all of the content is, you know, as good as possible. So, um, and that, you know, that I think that's about what you're saying. Um, and it has very little to do with me um, because you're the guest. Mm. So I think that's what people are, are tuning in for. They're tuning in to hear what somebody, um, you know, like you with your experience uh, and knowledge has to has to share. And I think that's what um, people need to kind of get past when they're producing stuff. I think sometimes people spend, you know, um, eight hours producing a video for, for LinkedIn or for Facebook or wherever, Instagram, whatever it is, and they've spent seven hours of that setting up the lighting yeah. and, you know, doing these things, yeah, yeah. which are like, ultimately, like, it, it'll look great, you mm. know, it'll look fantastic. 
but if the message that you, you're saying or the you know what you're sharing is so thin or it's just a way to say buy from me um it's going to be like seven hours of wasted time I think. that's right and i suppose um you know, I hear a lot of clients talking about, um, and it's a term that is, is overdone now, but people do want transparency. Yeah, They want to see absolutely. the real you. They don't want yeah. to see um, a version of you mm. that potentially is a mask um, to fulfil that type of activity. We want to see the real person in action and um, obviously you doing this type of activity is promoting your business um, and you know the questions that you ask is more likely the questions you're asking your clients anyway to find out them to help them in their marketing so yeah you've got to give it a go um, mm. again it's back to the self-talk isn't it we, yeah. we tell ourselves we make up these stories that I'm no good I, I look terrible uh, on screen or I don't like my voice I heard that on Monday I was running a a workshop at a conference and it was a marriage celebrant and I heard her <laughs> saying oh I don't like my voice and I thought well you're in the wrong business honey <laughs> uh, that's just that's about right. the um, silly stories in your head yeah yeah we just got to get over that and give it a go and make some progress with it and the reality is with somebody like the celebrant you talk and this can apply to anybody but um, you know if you're if you're in the business and you've had one paying client and after that you're still saying I don't like how my voice sounds or my voice is no good or you know I'm not good at this or whatever that's like you've already proven that that statement's wrong by the fact that somebody has paid you before then to do what you're doing I think at least Definitely. so um, you know I think more often than not um, we focus on that conversation um, that narrative that we tell ourselves which is you know that I'm not good at this or I can't do that or it's too hard or there's too many steps or you know that person's done it but they've got this and I think that's um, it's rubbish it's yeah. it's they're just excuses really they're it's not real it's just something that you've you've <laughs> you've decided to, to say because it makes it easier for you to sit on the fence and mm -hmm. not take action mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And some people don't know how to do it. So there is this, yes. you know, some good excuses um, and uh, it boils down to confidence. I think, you know what, I think you're absolutely right. I spoke to somebody this week who's 35 and we were working on goals. So like long-term, medium and short-term goals. Now, I recognise in myself recently, uh, just in the last month or so, that I wasn't setting enough short or immediate term goals for myself and for my business. So I've since changed that and, and um, that's had a, a very positive effect on things. But while having this conversation, this person's 35 years old and they were having real trouble understanding the difference between long term and medium and how to measure like what would separate them. And then likewise from short to medium. And I said to them, have you, have you ever worked with somebody on goals before? Have you ever, you know, tried setting goals like this before? And the answer was no. Mm. And I found that, I don't know, I found it completely mind-blowing that you could be mm. 35 years old and at no point have you ever actively tried to have like a, you know, a go at goal setting and, and or reading about how to set good ones or even, um, you know, knowing some of 
some of that person's background. I know they've they've been in environments where um, you know they talk a lot about oh, goals. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, and they've had access to like you know trainers and um, coaches and that kind of thing. And so it, it blew my mind that at no point did they kind of put their hand up and say, "Hey, I could really use some help mm -hmm. with this." Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Look, it could be a few reasons. Um, before you mentioned that they had been in the environment, it could well be it was. It could be their personality. It could well be mm -hmm. the environment that they have been stuck in for a while that that hasn't been promoted. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, I do wonder with a particular uh, demographic age group where. The education system at the moment have got it right helping kids in mm -hmm. school. The, the, what my kids are learning is what I'm using with adults at the moment. Yep. So we're seeing some great stuff in education. Uh, a lot of my clients have missed a lot of that mm -hmm. and that's where I fill the void for them. But I think there is this an area where our education system did not provide, be it goal setting, um, some really good, and I don't like the phrase, but people know it as soft skills. They, yep. they haven't explored that in their school system, mm. which I, but I see that that's happening now, even for the example of mindfulness. Mm. That is rocking it at school. Yeah, that's but true. This is part of uh, the workforce that is void of, of that. Mm. Um, and that's probably the dilemma of the workplace. And that's, yeah, I, I'm always thinking about well, how do we fill that void? You know, what is yep. it? But it can be the individual. They may not have, they, they may have blocked that out and, mm. they, and they don't see that as important or they may not even just the, as that person, they just don't know what they don't know. Yeah, that's right. So it could be a variety of reasons. And that's why we coach people, you know, we help people. And that's what, what you were doing is exploring and helping them explore. At the same time, you might need to flip into mentoring where they have mm. no idea, so giving them the advice and sharing and putting them in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I found myself needing to do to be able to sort of get past that first hurdle of, well, I've never done this before. Mm. Oh, well, if you've never done this before, mm. then, and that's probably part of that's probably my fault for assuming that at 35, and having had a you know corporate career mm. that at some point somebody mm. would have said this is how you set goals, but you no. know. Well, we um, when we I mentioned before Cynthia and I started the Driving Your Life program. That really started because uh, in our separate businesses, the number of people that were saying at forty, and that was the general age. When I grow up, I hope <laughs> I work out. I know what I want to do with my life. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, like you, you talked about the, the positive impact of, um, you know, what you're seeing in schools at the moment. My daughter's finishing um, year 12 this year. So, and I know the, the kind of support that she's had around um, like emotional and kind of mental support and that kind of thing is very different to what I like my oh, experience in school. Um, it's wonderful. Yeah, and I think um, you know you hear a lot of people talking about how you know people are softer and those kind of things now. And uh, look, we call it emotional intelligence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I think you know, look, there's there's a lot that I think where. Any time that uh, I think I, I watched uh, Deepak Chopra 
being interviewed by Jimmy Fallon the other mm-hmm. night, and one of the things that he was talking, he was talking about Trump and how he's, you know, what he looked, the reason that he acts the way that he does is perhaps because, you know, he's looking for love. Really what he's looking for is to be accepted and to be loved and to feel appreciated and those things because maybe he's always felt that he's never good enough. Mm-hmm. And so this is why he kind of perhaps overcompensates mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things. And he said, you know, more often than not, we, um, you know, we're, we're doing those things as a, uh, you know, like a cry for help yeah. rather than yeah. um, because that's who we really want to be. And um, I think there's there's a real shift happening in how we talk about mental health mm-hmm. and how we talk about the difference between um, emotional intelligence and um, people that are just like just get it done, just get in there, get mm-hmm. it done. Mm. And I think we're we're in a really interesting place at the moment where we're trying to find. I think for, for a long time we were very much like the other way, which was, you know, we don't care about yeah. how people feel and, you know, it's just get the job yeah. done. Very direct. Yeah, mm. and I think, and then for a little while now, um, we've kind of swung the opposite way mm-hmm. because, and I think now, like, and we probably will for the next five or ten years, we'll be trying to find that balance between the two. But I think that's growth. It is. And I, I, um, I did some work a few years ago at Suncorp. We were running a, um, a whole lot of programs, um, leadership programs. And uh, what they had found was they had swung the other way to very much uh, a coaching, collaborative approach, which is really great for a team. But what was missing were the hard, tough conversations where mm. you do need to be direct. Mm. So... It's a real challenge uh, where your audience is expecting different things. So mm. different age groups are expecting, uh, because of the way they've been brought up, different approaches in the relationships and the conversations. And it's getting that right. You've got to be so adaptable now to be able to flip around mm. and, and appeal to the you know, generations in the workplace. And you can have four generations at one time in your workplace. Mm. And they've all been brought up with a different approach, you know, the very direct, even now quite laissez-faire, where there's just no direction whatsoever. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. How do you how do you lead in those times? It can be very challenging. So, what's been the most valuable free tool that you've used either to, you know, promote or create for yourself or for your business? We've Ooh. had some really interesting answers to these Choices, questions. Courses, free tool. Um, I think one of our guests said my mouth. I was about to say that. Well, you know. If I they... would say my hand in, oh, is it just the hand? I love writing. So mm-hmm. I love reading and I love writing. But it's not free if that if I do that in my business time, you know, I'm not uh, unless I generate income from it. I probably mm-hmm. don't see that as free. I also then went to social media. You know, mm-hmm. LinkedIn is such a useful tool. It was very clunky there for a while, and mm-hmm. then it was at Windows. At, who bought them out? Microsoft bought them last yeah. year, I think. I think it got re- it's become really smart. So mm. I'm finding that's becoming very useful. I, I, I don't pay for it, so I, I'd say it's free. And, and, mm. and, yeah. and I use even messaging rather than emailing. I use that to communicate. Yep. Um, so that, that's probably the more tactile thing that, that I would go to. But, um, yeah, if I 
could be paid to write more. I'd be a, I'd be a happy person, but that, yeah, that's not free for them. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the next big thing for you? Well, maybe you hinted at this before. Oh, did like I? next year. Well, next year, yeah, in that um, more committed time to mm. growing the the business. Look, really, what's been uh, well, there's two now on my very messy desk. There are two books brewing, mm-hmm. and one has been there for I'd say three years. Mm-hmm. That has to be published. It's called Overnight Leadership, mm-hmm. and it's to help people that are switching from a technical role into a leadership role, mm-hmm. literally overnight. So. I've, that's there. I just need to pop that onto lulu.com and, and mm-hmm. publish that. And Cynthia and I uh, wrote a program at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you're still there, Cynthia. And it's uh, our wellbeing uh, program for women. Mm-hmm. And it's a challenge and it's a six-week challenge. We do it as an online, but we're, we're turning that into a book. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see them both published next year. Mm. So that's going to take a lot of time and effort and then a lot of marketing Mm -hmm. but I'd love then to do the speaking circuit with those books that's where I'd like to spend a bit of my time Mm. it's exciting Mm. so if you'd like to learn more about Louise Thompson head to louisethompson.net now it's important that you get the spelling of Louise's last name right so there is no P there's no need for one it's, it's often silent anyway, so it's, there's no need for it to be there. So the, the address is uh, louisethompson.net, which is L-O-U-I-S-E-T-H-O-M-S-O-N.net. And as always, I like to close the show with a, uh, a quote about advertising. And as I alluded to at the start of this show, this is probably my favourite so far. And this comes from Jeff I. Richards. Advertising is totally unnecessary unless you hope to make money. You've been listening to the Paperclip podcast presented by BSDA. We have one clear goal, help you to become bigger. If you'd like to learn more about growing your business, head to bsda.com.au. And until next time, keep growing.